Hey, welcome to D-Bronx Podcast. Uh, I am joined here with, my name is Austin, I'm joined here with Kevin uh, for the week four preview or week three recap, however you want to say it. Uh, Kevin, how you doing today? Let the complaining begin. Yes, that is, let's just get right to it. Let's not even, <laughs> let's not even pretend there's going to be some sort of intro where we work our way into it. Okay, Broncos are 0-3 for the second consecutive year under Vic Fangio. Uh, got decimated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, now, I don't know if you know this, but prior to the game, I know you do know, you know this, Kevin, but prior to the game, Tom Brady was, uh, or Denver Broncos were the only team Tom Brady had a losing record against. Yep. He now is 500 against the Broncos. So yep. that is no longer something to hang our hats on. Kevin, what are your overall feelings coming out of week three, this terrible loss to, to the, the Buccaneers, and your thoughts heading into week four against the Jets on Thursday night? Okay, like I believe most Broncos fans, including the two of us, we had reason, I think legitimate reason, for optimism this year, right? We're in I year, agree. year two of the Vic Vangio uh, uh, era, right? New offensive coordinator. We think we have an upgrade there. New quarterbacks coach. We had a probably our third straight solid draft class. Most importantly, we, Felt had, like it. we had Drew Locke, you know, who played reasonably well. The, the back half or the final five games of last year certainly showed, showed signs of potentially – being a franchise guy. Uh-huh. So we had a lot of reason for optimism. We knew the first three games were going to be tough, three tough opponents, but maybe we struggle out of the gate. I think uh, on a previous podcast, the preseason podcast, I think we all predicted nine and seven, maybe 10 and six. Mm-hmm. Now we're sitting at 0 and three. What we oh did, what, oh and three, what we couldn't predict, no one could. Was Nobody. the incredible rash of injuries. So, I've lost. I can't even keep track of him anymore. Can't Do, keep track. A dozen guys have gone down. So, I've been following the Broncos, and I'm going to kick it back to you because I'm going to need a breather after even getting this out of my head. <laughs> I I've get been, it. I've been following the Broncos since 1973. Yes, before you were born. Yes, before probably a lot of people listening to this were born. I've been following them. I can give you the date, October 22nd, 1973. Yes. When I saw him play the Raiders on a Monday night game. Pre-Elway, everyone. Pre- oh, yeah, definitely pre-Elway. Pre-Elway, come on. And Elway is, is my age, so he was 13 at the time, or 14. So, um, so I've been following the team for 47 years. I have never, ever seen a season like 2020 with the injuries and key injuries now. If we had this number of injuries that were sort of spread over a 16-game schedule, that would be devastating, right? That but would still had, be devastating. We've had them concentrated in the first three weeks. It's three insanity. Weeks. So as much as I want to just beat up the front office and beat up the coaching staff, I can't give them a pass. We'll get into that. Mm. But – my goodness gracious, man. These guys are just duct taped together and going out there. And now we're playing the Jets, who are probably the worst team in the league. But we'll find out on Thursday night. They might be night. better than us. At we'll this find point. out on Thursday. As our team currently stands. Yeah. We're, As our team currently stands. We've got a practice squad quarterback 
going up against a former first-round draft pick Monday night. We'll see how we fare. But I am, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass it back to you at this point. Okay. So first of all, just for our listeners, uh, so that you know, we we cover multiple demographics here. Uh, I was born in 1991, so we got a we got a little bit of a younger demographic here. Uh, so <laughs> we cover the whole spectrum. Yeah, we don't okay? want to so lose we, the audience with my age. We I got get it. new fans. We got yeah. old fans. I'm, I'm as old the, as Vic Fangio. Okay, so we got the whole go. situation. Are you? Almost. I I, he's a little bit older. Yeah. I thought you. Were, yeah, a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, in any case, so not important. In any case, these injuries. I mean. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how many injuries. Do you want to go down the list into. in case people aren't following? What do you have? We will in just a second. And it's it's gonna it's it's frightening. It's frightening. That's that's the best word that I have for you. And this is in three weeks. I said something to you. I don't remember if it was on the air on the podcast in a previous episode or not, but I said that by week five we will be nothing but practice squad players and rookies. And that was supposed to be an exaggeration. Yep. It isn't. No. We are we are on our way to that. We are literally on our way to that. It's unfathomable the rate at which we've had these injuries. Now, coaching, I know you said it's hard, it's you know, it's hard to kind of put blame on their blame falls differently. I, I agree with you. I still think that the Denver Broncos, with all of our starters, all of our players healthy, are still a, a winning record type of team, a competitive team, a team Agreed. that at least can compete yep. in the division. Maybe not win the division because Kansas City, as we saw last night, by the way, we are recording this on Tuesday, uh, September 29th. So we saw last night, obviously, how elite Kansas City is. Uh, unfortunately, because they're in our division and we love to hate them. But that's just the reality of the situation. But we had the opportunity to at least compete with the roster that we have, with Drew Locke, with Phil Lindsay, with Cortland Sutton, and the, the draft class that we had. And, of course, Vaughn Miller, A.J. Boye. I was a, obviously one of my biggest concerns going into the season was depth at corner. That has reared its ugly head. We do not have depth at corner. We are starting rookies at both cornerback slots, one of them being undrafted. So... We are devastated by injuries this year. Um, we have a couple more injuries to add to the list. If you are a Broncos fan who hasn't caught on yet, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably you probably don't get any news from us. Let's just say that. You probably have already heard. A um, couple guys to add to the list. Elijah Wilkinson. Or I guess we can't really say starting tight end because Juwan James was our starter before he opted out. But our starting tight end or starting right wow, tackle tackle. What am I saying? Right tackle heading into the season. He is now out. That may be. I don't know. Our offensive line has been terrible. Austin Calitro. That is a free agent that we signed a couple weeks ago, three, four, four weeks ago, maybe. Four weeks ago, Bears, right before the uh, Chicago Bears, I think uh, Vic had uh, had him on the team when he was there. Is that right? You might be right. You might yeah. be right. But now he's injured. So the Denver Broncos. This is this is a note, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Mike Kliss of Nine Sports for this. Over thirty percent of our salary is currently on injured reserve. She's sitting at home, getting paid. Sitting at home. This list, as of right now, this is on IR. So this does not include Drew Locke. This does not include Phil Blinsey. Okay. If you add those numbers in, we're above 
that's on IR. But our IR list is Vaughn Miller, AJ Boye, Jarrell Casey, by the way, added to that list. He got injured, torn biceps, out for the season. Elijah Wilkinson, Mark Barron, Cortland Sutton, uh, Demarcus Walker, Draymond Jones, Justin Sternad. We still don't know how to say his name. Austin Calitro, Austin Fort. That's just the IR players. That's the players that are on injured reserve, not the ones that are dealing with other injuries, as I was just saying with Drew Locke being on that list, uh, Philip Lindsay being on that list, uh, among some other guys. This has just been unprecedented. Like the season is bored. The season is thrown because of injuries. And I know that no team, no coach, no front office wants to say that's what it is. And they probably won't. But the reality of the situation is we're jogging out a bunch of players who, like I said, it's not that much of an exaggeration to say our team is almost entirely rookies and practice squad players at this point. And it's just gotten bad. I'm going to turn this over. We've talked about injuries, okay? And we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about them. But... I do want to change gears a little bit here. We are switching quarterbacks for this week. Okay, Jeff Driscoll, when he came in against the Steelers, looked decent at times. We saw that he had a problem, especially late in the game, adjusting to the defensive back blitz. He had a he did could not recognize the blitz, could not get the ball out quickly enough. Okay. But he hung in there and made some plays toward the end of that Steelers game. This game against the Buccaneers, a whole nother story. Jeff Driscoll looked lost and confused the entire game. I mean, just, it didn't matter how how often they ran the same blitz, he never saw it coming. In the span of roughly five quarters, he had been sacked ten times. That is unacceptable even for a backup. And by the way, he's not a statue like Joe Flacco. No, he can move. He is mobile. He has zero pocket presence whatsoever. He awareness is at rock bottom. Yep, absolutely. And he, I mean, and he, I don't think he's a bright guy. I don't think he knows how to check down. Doesn't no. know how to read the defense. He doesn't know how to check, make checks at the line yep. at all. His football IQ has got to be scraping the bottom of the barrel, and he's got a lot of the. Tangibles, yes, he's a size, speed. He can th- he can make the throws, yep. as we saw against the Steelers. When he was out of his own head against the Steelers, he made some plays, but he still showed in both games. He does not know how to read the blitz. Does not know how to adjust to the blitz, even when it's telegraphed, even when it's blatantly obvious they're sending another blitz. And he had he a week to know prepare how to make this a time. He got all the reps. He had so the reps. no excuse the way he played. No, no excuse, excuse for it. So, good decision. We are moving to Brett Rippon. Yep. Blake Bortles is not close to being ready because he got signed on a short week. Uh, doesn't know the offensive playbook yet. Doesn't have enough time to prepare. Understand that decision. I definitely understand that decision. Now, Brett Rippon, I'm excited to see him play, not only because we saw fourth quarter led a good drive before obviously throwing a bad interception i'm okay on that interception garbage time that was fourth down he's fourth just down. flinging it going for it and the pass was on target unfortunately and it was intercepted before it hit the the primary target yes but i'm okay with that the you issue know, he was the trying issue to make something was, happen he he has good football iq is he tried to anticipate like a peyton manning would brett rippon is known to not have 
ex- excellent arm strength. Very average. He's mediocre in the arm yep. strength department. He's very accurate, and he's got high football IQ. So he tries to use, much like Peyton Manning late in his career, anticipation throws. Yep. So he tried to look off the safety and then come back and make the throw, but the safety didn't bite hard enough on the look, and that was the problem. And it was on fourth down, so like you're, yeah. you're trying to make and, – and even it. has got no shot. you got to go yeah. for something. Yeah, you gotta you gotta try. Jeff Driscoll would have taken a sack. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what he did against Pittsburgh on fourth ex- down. On fourth and two, fifteen yards from the, the end game zone. on the line. Yep. Now this case, game was not on the line. We were we were down by eighteen or whatever it was, so it didn't matter. But, um, but in any case, he provided a spark. He looked good. He throws with anticipation. Knows how to get the ball out quick. He's got the precise. IQ. He was nailing the There's a the reason that as an undrafted rookie, they gave him a hundred thousand dollar guaranteed. He money. looked confident out there. He looked like he knew the offense. He knew how to read the defense. Check down. He was accurate. He appeared to be in command of things. Now, yes, it was the end of the game. I think. Tampa Bay was quasi prevent defense. It's garbage yeah. time and all that. And there's so those things do those those things, things happen. Count. It's not his fault, but, but, but he, he did. But they did send the blitz at him several times. Yes, and he got it out quick. He went eight of nine with yep. that interception, of course. Yep. Um, just looked like he's he's more there mentally. He's he more deserves there mentally. the start. He and absolutely deserves it. I know there's been a knock on him because he. Went undrafted. He's a little bit, like I said, mediocre in the arm strength department. But I watched him play at Boise State because I Boise State is That's my team. college team. Yeah, yeah. Another Broncos team. Hey. Yeah. Um, blue and orange. I get to say blue and orange in my football no matter what. You know, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, even Spokane Shock for the Arena League for a few years. But, anyways, the I watched Brett Rippon play at Boise State for a number of years, and so I knew coming out of college, like, okay, this guy's got talent. Like, I know everyone's sleeping on him. He didn't play at a at a you know a high profile school in the way of you know the SEC. He was a three or four year starter there, right? Mm -hmm. Three year for sure. He might have been four year, and I'm drawing a blank on if he was a four year starter. but and a lot, he, of, he a lot of college got, starting experience. Kind of got off to a rough start the first, I would say the first half of his first year as a starter. Didn't look great, but then he really started to pick it up and ended up looking real good by the end of his career. But as you know, I mean, you see with, with any quarterback coming out of Boise State, odds are stacked against him in terms of getting uh, you know, a good opportunity in the NFL. But I'm real glad he's getting the opportunity. We know who Blake Bortles is. Okay. Uh, by the way, do, do you know who uh, Rippian's uh, uncle is? Oh yeah, former Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippin. Mark Rippin, Redskins yep. Super, Super Redskins. Bowl MVP in 1991. Look it up. 1991, year I was born. Yep. Mm. There you go. So, Brett Rippin. Look, I'm not. I'm not out here saying he's going to replace Drew Locke or he's going to he's going to take over the starting job and we're going to build a team around him. But here's the thing: we know who Blake Bortles is. We've seen who Jeff Driscoll is. It's it's the right time since Drew Locke is out. It's the right time to give Brett Rippin the opportunity. See, see, see what we have. Is it, he gonna be? Is he gonna be a Gary Kubiak? Yeah, could is he, he gonna be able backup. to play that that long term backup role, make yep. a career out of that? Where you know, if he comes in, he's gonna be able to run the offense efficiently uh, and effectively. And Gary that's, Kubiak is a very very good analogy. Average arm. Yep but smart, 
um, decisive, good leadership skills. So we'll see if Ripien can can be that to Drew yeah. Locke. I'm excited. I'm excited to see him play a full game, get the opportunity. Obviously, it's a short week, so he doesn't get a whole lot of reps with the ones, unfortunately. He'll get maybe a day because I think they did uh, walkthroughs today. I think they played, They did practice on Monday because obviously they knew they were playing Thursday, so they, didn't, they did not get the day off. Uh, walkthroughs today, and I don't know if they, fly, they flew tonight to New York or if they're flying tomorrow, but obviously short week, so... But I'm excited. He's going to know the offense because obviously he was there last year as well. And keep in mind, the Broncos think pretty highly of him because, again, they gave him an unprecedented $100,000 guaranteed contract. Or, you know, the guaranteed money in his contract was $100,000 signing bonus. You don't see that with an undrafted rookie. You don't see that. It doesn't happen. Not only that, but he's been there. He's been one of their protected practice squad players pretty much the entire time up until this point. Um, so I do think that they have high... Uh, they think very highly of him. Let me just say it like that. And he looked good in that in that very limited amount of action. I thought they should have turned to him a lot sooner in the game. Uh, in my eyes, they're throwing the game by leaving Jeff Driscoll out there to take more and more sacks. Um, but you can't can't go back now. We're zero and three. Has not been an easy schedule. Hey, can can you, I jump in on that point schedule? Please do. Yeah. All right. So I this this is gonna thoroughly depressed people or, or or maybe not maybe this is just going to confirm what people are feeling right now but but i was looking at you know the broncos schedule for the remainder of the 2020 campaign and uh you know we had three we, we lose to the titans you know we lose to the steelers lose to the buccaneers and we got the jets that's a winnable game even as depleted as we are then we have the patriots I'm going to give you my take. That's a loss. 100%. Then, then we have the Dolphins. That's a winnable game. Then I All think these are winnable. That, if we have that's two winnable games, Jets and Broncos. Then Chiefs loss. Falcons, I say loss. Raiders loss. Chargers, Saints, Chiefs, Panthers, Bills, Chargers, Raiders. The way out now, we will have Drew Locke back. It's a gauntlet. That is a murderer's row, particularly when you're as weak as we are in terms of playmakers and uh, depth with all the injuries. I say at best we win three games, and, and I'm an optimist. If, if we may get a fluky fourth win, but we're looking at a top five um, you know, draft position next year. So the only silver lining for those that have a long-term horizon, and you can't have a short-term viewpoint right now unless you're just hoping for more losses. But on the long term, you know, we should stack together a pretty good draft class next year given where we're going to be drafting. But uh, the other thing I just wanted to say um, is, you know, the Broncos, you know, we – we won the Super Bowl in 2015. What's happened since 2015? Well, we've been either mediocre. 2016, we were competitive. We had a Super Bowl roster. We still had a Super Bowl coach there in Kubiak. Um, but since then, we've been dreadful. Um, absolutely dreadful, particularly compared to Broncos history. This is a storied franchise. We're not used to this. It wasn't until 2018 that we had our first back-to-back losing season since the early 70s. I mean, in professional sports, not exclusive to pro football, 
but basketball, hockey, baseball, no one, no franchise has that kind of record uh, that I can think of, and, and no one in the NFL did. Um, but I look at the Broncos' troubles, and you know, it's it's either, you know, it's always something, you know, bad bounce of the ball, it's injuries, it's coaching, uh, it's just you know, the talents dropped off. It's it, it, any no, bad calls by the referees. There's always a reason for us to lose. You can always point to something, but the constant is losing. And now we're on our fourth losing season, and we're going to have a losing record this year. What is going on? I would argue there's a lot of things going on uh, that aren't good, but it starts at the top, okay? Pat Bowling. Here's an interesting statistic. Pat Bowling, our former owner who passed away a few years ago and was suffering from dementia, when we won the Super Bowl in 2015, sadly. But the first 30 years that he owned the team, he was the he is the only NFL owner in NFL history to achieve 300 overall victories in his first 30 years as an owner. And in his 30 years as an owner, we did not have back-to-back losing seasons. In his 30 years... We were in the playoffs well north of 50% of the time. We were in, I believe, six Super Bowls during his ownership. We won three of them. What has happened since he disappeared? We've gone down the toilet. We have no the, – the winning culture that he established is gone. His mm-hmm. children are fighting in the courts. They, they do not get along. You have Brittany and Beth – Boland fighting for ownership. Uh, right now, we have Joe Ellis, who is the head of the ownership group. So he's sort of the de facto, quote-unquote, owner, although he has no ownership interest, of course. He's an executive. He's not an owner. Um, but he represents the Broncos at owners' meetings, etc. But he's not out there holding anyone accountable. He's not holding Elway accountable, the front office accountable, the coaching. He's quote-unquote, making decisions. But I don't think he's making good decisions. So until we get the ownership situation resolved, we are going to struggle. And we're going to potentially struggle for a long time because I don't know what the status is in terms of ownership um, other than it's in ownership trust. Maybe somebody comes in buys the team. But, you know, Elway... And people that listen to the broadcast or know me realize, hey, I've been following the team since 73. I'm as old as Elway. I'm a huge fan. He did. He is the face of the franchise. But now we're looking at four straight losing seasons with him as GM. He's made two, well, potentially two bad calls in terms of uh, you know his ability to, ability to assess head coaching uh, candidates, the last two coaches. And we'll see. I'm not out on Fanzio yet, but there's a major question marks and if we lose to the jets people are going to start talking about his job but you know there's nobody to hold elway accountable and it just trickles down from there so that i think is at the core for why we have slipped from being a respected franchise that was a consistent winner that could attract free agents attract top quality head coaches to an also-ran, 
you know, perhaps a franchise that people aren't eager eager to work for or to play for, ownership. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so you know, if if we had Bolin, would everybody in the organization that we have there today be there today? Probably. I not. think Elway would have been gone. I mean, I've been calling for Elway for a long time. But Elway might be better if Bolin was there. Um, you, everybody, including Elway, needs to needs to be held accountable. Um, so that's my speech on the Broncos and why I feel that we've fallen into this terrible state of the I, franchise. So I cannot disagree with anything you said, but let me ask you this question. Uh, if we have all of our starters right now, where are we at? Um... I, I would go back to my original prediction, nine and seven, but it doesn't change uh, for mediocre. the season. So maybe still we're too, we're still mediocre, but I think potentially it's it's down to the quarterback. But I still don't think we have the fiber um, to be a consistently strong franchise until we get ownership straight. Yeah, yes. Even the Cincinnati Bengals or you know, the Cardinals that historically have horrible ownership occasionally have decent teams. Uh, but that's not the Broncos. We're we're supposed to be consistently competitive. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree with everything you said. I'm not. I'm, I can't disagree with anything. Just playing devil's advocate a little bit here. We we were all I think heading into this season. Generally, you know, generally speaking, we were feeling very good about the way the team was heading. Uh, the draft class we've had the last few years, the potential for Drew Locke to be the quarterback. We had, you know. And, I, and I'm not giving up on Locke. A I know. Lot of I know that. Fans are jumping off the fence on him already. No, I'm certainly not. He does need to. He does need good quarterbacks know how to protect themselves. Yep. That's important. Remember that cost RG three his career. Yep. Um, so good quarterbacks do know how to protect themselves. So that's important. But I'm certainly not out on Drew Locke yet either. And we'll see him, you know, in a week or two. Hopefully, a couple weeks. Hopefully, he'll be back and we'll be able to, you know, start to see that shine a little bit now in regards to your schedule predictions that's probably the most likely situation the what, way three you or describe four wins it. probably the most likely situation now we're gonna get guys back aj boy is gonna be back okay a lot of these guys that are on ir are on short-term ir now that doesn't of course, we talked about how decimated we are at injuries. We're going to get A.J. Boye back. We're going to get Drew Locke back. We're about to get Phil Lindsay back. There's a chance he plays this week, potentially next week. DeMar Dotson might be an improvement at right tackle over Elijah Wilkinson. I mean, so. I'm not going to get into all the, you know, the guys that I think we should have signed and we didn't to help steady the ship. I'm not going to get into that. But we are going to get guys back. And we're going to get young guys developing. Jerry Judy, he's going to develop. KJ Hamler, he's going to develop. Now, these guys are not going to save the season and make a run at the Super Bowl. Not under that kind. But I think we do, so long as the injuries do not stack in the way that they're going now, which seems impossible because like <laughs> you said before we got on the air, we literally won't have a team by week eight or nine. If it goes at this rate, there literally will be no one to feel. We'll just have team. to forfeit the games. It will be suiting up for them out there, Kevin. It'll yeah. be you and I out there. 
Um, and the rest of the podcasting teams out here. And believe me, support, we will we'd get be injured. the ones on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, we'll be injured before the first snap. Um, so, but that just seems so unlikely. Now, I do want to bring. I do want to. So, I do think that we have a chance to win. You know, potentially six or seven games. Okay. Still losing season. Not great, but I want to see young guys develop. Elway, I've talked about it many times. I don't think he's a good GM. I don't think he's a good leader in regards to this role, specifically this role. Uh, I think he was a great leader as a quarterback. Um, but I just don't – I he, yeah, he signed Peyton Manning. Everything he, else he, – here's we're not the reality getting into that on Elway. He is not going to leave – until probably his contract expires, which is next year. He's, needs, he, needs he, he, he is – no one has better job security than other than you know, maybe the dictator of uh, North Korea. Um, well, Ellis, that is because he doesn't have accountability. That's because there's the, not ownership in place. Ellis is not going to fire him. So I, th- I think he's got one more year, and, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll see Look, what I happens. I, again, we, we got to kind of condense here. I, I don't want to take too much time on that. It was just kind of like a side note. I think he should be gone. Side note. Um, that's not the, kind of the point that I'm making. But one thing that kind of resorts back to what you said and something we've talked about on the podcast before is coaching makes so much of the difference. Now, I know the teams they've played, but another the other team that's been decimated by injuries, San Francisco 49ers. They what did they coach. do this past week? They they lambasted the Jets. They destroyed them. And you know what? You know you know why? Cuz they have good leadership and they have a coach who can scheme and make adjustments in Yeah, the games. coach who should be coaching the Denver Broncos, should, which Kyle is the, Shanahan. The, the biggest mistake Elway has ever made. Oh, that was a huge huge mistake. And you see it even a in a, a good coach can help keep a team afloat amidst injuries. And you saw it in that game. It wasn't like any one player just got went off because they're just that much of a world talent. Kyle Shanahan schemed them not only to victory but to dominance in that game. Now it was against the Giants is a weak team for sure. But the San Francisco 49ers are almost in the same boat that we are. I, I recognize that last name, Shanahan. What's what Shanahan? Where, Shanahan in Denver? It's like, yeah, of course it was Shanahan like, in Denver. When we, yeah, won He's our, our first the greatest coach Bowls, we've ever had. Won back-to-back Super Bowls. Why you would well, think his Kyle Shanahan was as a teenager was on the sidelines with his dad in the old Mile High Stadium. Why is it's he a, not our it's head a, coach? It's a it's no. A, it was a no-brainer, and I talked about it when we were signing Vance Joseph. This is a mistake, uh, and it, it was, and it is, and no even kidding. if Vic Fangio ends up being decent, he's already shown some some lack of competence in some in some pretty key areas. Not to say that it'll stay that way, but some pretty key areas. Yeah. Now, the the fact that I see this team never adjust to what a defense is doing or what an offense is doing. That's scary. Like to see that the team would not. And now I, I think this was more on Jeff Driscoll than anybody, but to see that we w- would not adjust to the blisses, that's, that's going to be everyone's game plan until we prove we can beat it. That's and rightfully so. Why yeah, didn't well, we, did we call a single screenplay against five and six blitzers rushers? Well, I, I will, we call I will say plays? this: When Rippon went in, it looked like we had a good offensive coordinator. 
So I think a lot of it was is QB like play. I said, yeah, yeah. J- Jeff Driscoll played into that. So yeah, man, I do want to get to a new segment. New segment we have. We're we're introducing now. It's called Checkdowns, and this is just a series of quick takes from. Uh, you know, it could be from the Twitterverse or from any of the various news outlets. Just some fun facts, things that we find out throughout the week uh, that I kind of want to hit on and uh, not spend too much time on. But one thing that I wanted to hit on that uh, that we haven't talked about too much is through three weeks, one of the only bright spots that we have is none other than Garrett Bowles. Oh, you stole mine. Yes. Garrett. Bulls. Okay. And we should have signed him to the contract, extended his well, contract. How would we have known? How would we have I known, knew. Kevin? I knew. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. So 82 point. This is per pro football focus. So I do want to make, you know, give credit where credit's due. Uh, 82.9 grade, which is fifth among tackles in the NFL. 86.8 pass blocking grade, which is also fifth among tackles. And 75.7 run blocking pass grade, which is just... It's his highest in his career so far, and a very, 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 very few amount of uh, penalties against him. I remember the one last week that was an offsetting penalty. Offsetting, yep. But very, very little. Um, And by the way, he's in his fifth year, and he hasn't missed a single start. That's that's the one thing that's always been a bright spot for him. Moving on. Broncos money on injured reserve, which we kind of touched on earlier, compared to three opponents this year. Broncos, $53.42 million on injured reserve right now. Titans, $3.66 million. Steelers, $3.18 million. Tampa Bay Bucks, $2.95 million. And as Mike Cliz put it, like that. it could be argued these were not fair fights. <laughs> um, Agreed. We already talked about Elijah Wilkinson going on IR. I do want to mention this. This is not. This is going to be. This is going to be painful, Broncos fans. A tale of two primetime matchups. This is per Andrew Mason on Twitter. Since 2017 season, the Chiefs and Ravens have failed to score at least 20 points just five times. No teams are better. That was the Monday night primetime matchup. The Thursday night primetime matchup. The Jets have failed to hit 20 points 30 times. The Broncos have failed to reach 20 points in 28 games. No teams are worse in the NFL in that time span. So that that's painful. I'm going to leave you with one one spot of hope here on checkdowns. This is the last checkdown. This is per, I cannot pronounce his name, Ryan Koenigsberg from Twitter. 2017 49ers, back to that name. Guess who they hired? Shanahan. And John Lynch. I would have liked him as their GM. They go 6-10 in 2017, but they believe they found a quarterback. Okay, sounds familiar. 2018, 49ers lose quarterback and everyone else to injury. They go 4-12, and but get a pick that allows them to add an elite talent to an already strong core. That's 2018, 49ers. Kind of sounds like the direction we're sounds heading right now. Sounds like us. 2019, 49ers make Super Bowl. the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love it. I don't um, want to get our hopes up too high. But that was kind but, of what uh, I was insinuating earlier. I mean, we, we yeah. should have a super high draft pick. I mean, listen, we, we the way we're going, if we lose to the Jets, we might be number one overall and then staring at potentially yeah. Lawrence out of Clemson. Now, but we'll see. We'll, it's we way should too know early. what we have in Drew Lock. Yeah, now. we'll know. Hopefully, we can use that pick and trade it and just get a, a bounty. Tackle. 
on a tackle and uh, several future, you know, picks. But um, yeah, I, I like that. I like this. What do, what do we call in this segment? Checkdowns. Wow, something that uh, Driscoll doesn't know how to do. Uh, no, enough. not at all. So that was your weekly checkdowns. I only, have, thing... I only I have one checkdown, real quick. Go quick. Our best free agent signing, Shelby Harris. Oh, Shelby Harris, man. He's been a stud for us. Yeah, and, and I know we... he. I know we already had him, but man, he's been good. He's been a bright spot for for sure. Yep. That is without a doubt. Brandon. McManus had a long field goal in this one. Finally, 58 yards, hey, right? There you go, 58 yards. So, to wrap up, I just want your quick prediction for yeah, the Jets game on the, Thursday. The, for, for our regular listeners, let me apologize. I have never been so negative uh, as I have been today. Uh, I'm sorry. My emotions are realistic now. Emotions have gotten the best of me. I'm, I'm still a hardcore fan. I, I believe in the Broncos and our future. I, we're going to somehow, you know, get this figured out. But uh, having said all that, I don't think we're going to beat the Jets. Uh, now, they have Sam Darnold, former first-round draft pick at quarterback. They're playing at home. I'm sure they're not devastated with injuries like we are. They were just in thoroughly embarrassed, as you mentioned, by the 49ers. Uh, typically, when NFL teams are embarrassed and have their f- nose rubbed in it, they usually come back fighting a little bit. Now, you could argue, say the same thing Us about the Broncos. Us and the Buccaneers, yeah. Uh, but we, 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 we've got a quarterback starting his first game in his career. As much as I like the potential Ripken showed late in that game, it's a tall order um, for you know anyone in that spot. So um, I think now, do, do I think we're going to get blown out? No, I, I think we'll keep it competitive, but I, I I think I think the Jets pull it out at the end and we lose uh, seventeen to thirteen. Seventeen thirteen. Okay, so I have predicted the Broncos to lose every game so far, and they've lost every game so far. That's unfortunate, first of all, um, and a lot of it's been the competition, a lot of it's been the injuries, a lot of it's been coaching. You know, whatever it's, whatever it's been, it's been something. Like you were saying earlier, and like I said last week, it's been something. We find ways to lose. We get creative with it if we have to. Um, with that being said, I'm actually going to predict the Broncos to win this game. Wow. Stick, yeah. hey, sticking your neck out. I wonder what the yep. betting line is. I'll look yep. that up uh, while you're talking. You know, I, I it's been changing. So I know we, we dipped down to being underdogs, and then we were favorites again. I don't know where it's at. We were like 2.5 point favorites or something like something minuscule. In any case, I am thinking that uh, Rippon has a higher football IQ, so he's not going to sit there and take sack after sack, which is the biggest problem our offense has faced two weeks in a row. Is the quarterback just sitting and taking sacks? Like even checking it down would help drastically. You know, um, calling a screenplay would help drastically. Um, I also think that. Uh, you know, the weaker competition is going to help. Now we are a, a West, not a West coast team, but a West team heading to the East, which is always difficult, but I just, I'm not willing to believe that we're as bad as the jets yet. And you know, this Kevin from looking at our group chat, I'm not high on the, on the Broncos right now. Like I'm not confident in the Broncos right now, but I do think that, uh, I do think that we're going to prevent going Owen four, for a second year in a row, I think we'll go one and four, one and three, and then get we'll get our fourth loss the following week. So, 
So, uh, yeah, I see the Broncos are favored by two, two and a half points. The, the Jets are last in the NFL in red zone efficiency, uh, and they are dead last in the NFL with 263 total yards and only 12.3 points per game. They're 31st with 175 yards passing. It's amazing. Adam Gates is their head coach, and they have no offense to speak of, even worse than the Broncos. And he was the offensive coordinator for the 2013 Broncos that set the record for most points in NFL history. Amazing. Let's be clear. Peyton Manning was the offensive coordinator for the 2013 Broncos that set Manning, the record. Manning, let's give him a little bit of the credit. That's a fair point. He should give some <laughs> a, of the, little a little bit of the, the credit. credit. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're hoping for a Broncos win, even though Kevin's not as confident, and I'm not super confident in my prediction. Oh, I didn't give a score. I'm sorry. I do think that we lead, we, we win 23-13. to 13. So that's wow. That's we my score o- we score over twenty points. Over twenty points, I think, because we're. I don't think Brett Ribbon's going to sit there and take sacks the whole game. I'm. I'm sorry. I agree. Um, he doesn't have great arm strength, but he's not going to sit and take sacks the whole game. He's smarter than that. But anyways, that's it for this week. Um, we are on a short week, obviously, so you'll probably be hearing this either right before, uh, the day before the game or the day of the game. So we're hoping for a Broncos victory. Um, in any case, even if we're less confident, or Kevin, I know sometimes you just say, "Hey, let's lose for that overall pick." But I'm just kidding. I, you know, I, I know you. Want I'm to not see quite them win there yet, well. but I could get. There I know you want to see to them the win. Jets. Yeah, but we do hope they win. Um, for all you listeners. Be sure to follow us on any any podcast site that you like to uh, that you like to listen to your podcast. Subscribe, comment, whatever you like to do. Uh, we are all for it. Ian was not with us this week. Uh, he did have something come up, but he will be with us again next week. So I'm be interested to hear his take on all this. It's uh, actually but not from, a bad thing to give Ian a week to cool off. He needs a week to game. cool off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so from Kevin, from myself, thank you for listening to D Bronx Podcast.